Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Motherhood is rarely a walk in the park. Most of us struggle with the sleepless nights, the mess, the chaos, and the way our lives seem to be turned upside down. Amy Taylor-Kabaz is a journalist and mindfulness teacher who wanted to understand why everything was so hard. Eleven years later, she's found the answer. It's been life-changing for her, and she's sharing it through her book, Mama Rising. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Essentially, your book is about redefining how we view motherhood. How would you say motherhood is defined today? Oh, what an awesome question. We think motherhood is defined in quite a liberated way compared to the 1950s version of what it means to be a good mother. But over the last 12 months, I've dived into a lot of the research and understanding as well as the more than 4,000 women that I've spoken to about what motherhood means to them. And in actual fact, we don't have that much of a different definition. A good mother means that you're always there, always. (laughs) And if you're not, you're not a good mother. A good mother cooks and bakes and comforts and nurtures and nourishes. A good mother doesn't put work above her children doesn't put career above her babies. A good mother is self-sacrificing. And it's really bizarre. I've shared this a lot with hundreds of women who are mothers, and they weren't even aware that that's what they were carrying with this expectation. They didn't even realize that those antiquated old ideas of what we needed to be as we became mothers and we were mothers was still inside them. But it's something like, you know, when they say, as soon as you give birth, you give birth to mother guilt. It's it's the same thing. Something happens. As soon as we give birth, we somehow unconsciously, for most of us, take on this expectation of what this is going to mean and who we should be. And then we totally burn ourselves out trying to keep up with that expectation. And so what I really hope we're finally at the stage of, Siobhan, is that we're finally going to redefine this, that we're going to stop judging each other and saying this is what it means to be a good mother and this is the way you need to look and this is what you have to do and you have to co-sleep or you can't co-sleep and you have to, you know, um, control cry and all of these different versions of good mother, I'm hoping we can finally start moving past. Tell me about the Motherhood Centre in New York City and why this was such an integral place for this whole shift that you're going through now. Yeah, probably best if I go back in the story a tiny bit to to when I then landed in New York. So motherhood, as you mentioned in the intro, um, landed in my lap or on my chest. Uh, (laughs) Now 12 years ago, because my eldest baby has just turned 12 just a few weeks ago. And in that moment, unbeknownst to me, I landed with all of those expectations of who I needed to be that I actually really struggled with. I found it really difficult to be the mother I thought she needed me to be and still be me. I found that exceptionally hard Um, I was a very ambitious, independent, hardworking, go-getting kind of gal and had huge dreams. And then motherhood kind of split me in two, both to be this woman who just self-sacrifices and gives everything to this beautiful little baby who was born quite fragile and unwell 
as well as still chase my dreams. And I really struggled with that. And so being the journalist and researcher that I was, I went on search for, well, surely someone else feels like this too. Surely I'm not the only one who's like, oh, I don't really know how to do this. How do I not lose myself in this? Because I could see very easily that I could lose myself in trying to make her okay. I could see that I am no exaggeration. From the moment they put her on my chest and her eyes looked at me, I thought, how am I going to do this? How am I going to be everything she needs me to be and not lose myself? But when I looked around and asked those questions, no one was talking about it. This was obviously more than a decade ago. I wasn't even on Facebook. So forums and discussions and community groups didn't exist. I kind of went to the books, couldn't find anything other than how to sleep train my baby and uh, maybe a little bit about self-care for mummies. But other than that, there was nothing. So what I understand now happens is if we feel something deep within us, like this split, this uncomfortableness, this change, but we look around and no one else is talking about it, we think it's our fault, we think we're the only ones, and we self-silence. We push it down and go, oh, it must be me. And so then we just get on with life. And that's what I did for 10 years. I just kept thinking, I'm the only one that's finding this hard. Even when the conversations would start changing, it was still this idea that because it didn't have a name, it didn't have a framework, it didn't have any reference to what happens when we became a mum, I, I just thought it was my fault. And I've seen this in thousands of women. This is what we do when we don't have this understanding of what happens to us and as a woman, not how to mother, but what happens to us as our identity. Until oh, 18 months ago now, it's been a very short turnaround, 18 months ago I was driving along from you know, one drop-off to one pick-up with my three kids in Sydney traffic, listening to a podcast as you do, and heard this woman in, in New York talk about matrescence. Matrescence is the transformation of a woman to a mother. And like adolescence, it is this transition of becoming, of unlearning and turning into something new. It affects every part of our life, hormones, emotions, spirituality, cultural, all of it. And it's the missed transition. I like to call it the forgotten transition of being a woman. We acknowledge that it takes time and support and it's bumpy when you move from being a child to an adult. Just like we should acknowledge that it takes time and support and it's bumpy when you become a mum. But I just want to add in here for the listeners, this isn't just about, you know, that first six months of motherhood. Matrescence, like adolescence, takes years. You know, we don't see in our kids when they're 12, they're normal. And when they're 13, they're a teenager. But by the time they're 14, they're an adult. Like this is a, they say, 10-year process to become moving through all of those changes of adolescence. I think it takes about seven years, if we're consciously aware of it with matrescence, that real through the toddler stage, the beginning of going back to work, the beginning of school, we constantly change who we are. So when I heard that word, I was just all the feels and had to <laughs> literally pull over on the side of the road and sob. It was this, 
as I share in the book, this this cry that uh, and it makes me emotional just thinking about it. It was that finally this thing that I had been searching for for a decade had a word. It was like, yeah, it is a thing, Amy. And that was so important. And so to answer your question, I then, as soon as I could, jumped on a plane to go to New New York and meet these two women that are leading the way with this understanding and um, have been on this diehard mission ever since. Um, what I find interesting about that when you say, you know, you've been trying to find an answer and you hadn't, I'm not sure which of the founders it was that said this to you, but um, I know in the book you were writing about how one of them was saying if this was a man's problem, it would have been researched and sorted out decades ago. And it reminds me of Gabrielle Jackson's book, Pain and Prejudice, where she writes all about uh, female pain and how it medically female bodies and female pain has been sidelined. Um, Is that what you think has happened here? Oh my God, yes. Hallelujah, yes. That is exactly it. And it was actually Dr. Catherine Berndoff, who's the founder of the New York Motherhood Centre, who said that to me. She said, if this had been happening to a man, that in the middle of his life, as he became a father or some other transition in his life, and his whole world turned upside down, we would have universities dedicated to this. (laughs) And I I don't want to sound like I'm getting on this patriarchal soapbox, although I am. It's just important for us to recognise, like I said, about how I felt when I looked around trying to understand what happened to me and no one else is talking about it, we blame ourselves. So if we've got every mother on the planet not understanding that that change in her relationship, that change in her career, that change in her body, that change in her dreams, that change in who she likes and who she doesn't like and all those things, if we could tell her that's actually a beautiful process you're going through of transitioning into this next role in your life. And it's not just about the act of mothering. It's just not about how you're going to feed your kid or get them to sleep or teach them to read. This is about you, you as a woman. What does this mean to you now? I share in the book, I often say this. It was like I thought, Siobhan, I'd just add mother to my resume. Because no one had spoken to me about what this would mean for anything else. I just thought, oh yeah, I'm going to get a baby and I'll be a mum. But everything else will stay the same. This is the greatest gift of understanding matrescence. No, nothing stays the same. (laughs) It doesn't. Um, So you were talking about with adolescence, we have... We kind of assume that our children, as they move through that period of their life, will need support. Some of that support comes through high school with sex education and uh, explaining puberty. Where are mothers going to find this education? Like, where does this support need to come from? Yeah, I I hope one day... That's right, Mama Rising. I hope one day that this is in antenatal classes, in the yoga studios in the breastfeeding clinics, in high schools. I hope that we understand matrescence like we understand adolescence. My, my teacher and mentor from Columbia University in New York, who I've been working with for a year now to study and honour this understanding, says, you know, we hope that one day there is an, um, an academic journal for adolescence, 
we hope that one day there will be an academic journal for matrescence, that this is in wards in hospitals. You will have a matrescence ward department because when a woman walks into a GP, she's just not coming as a woman. She's coming as a possibly severely depleted woman because of motherhood. Like motherhood permeates everything in this season of your life. That's why I love the work of Dr. Oscar Serilak, who um, you would know, who wrote Postnatal Depletion. It's, it's beginning, Siobhan. It's really exciting. There's a few key people in the world who are beginning to make this wave of awareness that we need to start honouring and talking about motherhood differently. I have a few beautiful women who have started training with me on what matrescence is, and they are lactation consultants, social workers, doulas and midwives. And and this is just the beginning. There's so many new things coming. So I hope that it will be everywhere. So some of the stuff, you you break it down into chapters and we won't give everything away because we do want people to get the book. It's called Mama Rising, if you didn't hear that. You do talk about a few things like revaluing motherhood. What do you mean by that? We don't value motherhood. So it's not even like a revaluing. It's just let's start valuing it. But at the moment, none of this will be a surprise to who's listening. But at the moment, most of being a mother is invisible and undervalued or ignored. If we could start to see that the act of raising the next generation is the greatest role We hear that on Mother's Day and on the memes, on social media, but we don't feel it because no one's saying at the end of the week, well done, you met your KPIs. (laughs) No one's giving us an annual review. No one's telling us what targets we're meant to meet. So what I have seen over and over again in women is that we have to do this for ourselves first. If we're focused on our own sense of self and our own values, valuing of ourself as being productive external things, then we're going to keep missing what the importance of this role is. So if we can instead see that one of the greatest things we can do at the moment is be okay with who we are so we can teach our children how to be okay with themselves, to learn self-compassion and forgiveness so that I can show my children when they've done something wrong, they can forgive themselves. When we value ourselves as the role models and shapers of this next generation that we really need to be okay because the world is really not, then I think we're going to value this differently. And therefore, in turn, we will value the mother differently. If we could change the, the way we see what it is to raise a child then we value what she's going through. And eventually, I would love to see this trickle into workplaces and honour a woman and a man, of course, as they return from maternity leave differently and, and ask her, so how do you feel about your job now? I know you've just had a baby. I'm not going to assume you're going to come back in and sit at the same desk and do the same job, maybe in part-time hours, but be expected to do full-time work. Do you want to talk about what's your vision now? What's your goals for the next five years? We don't really honour that transition properly. Now, your book is really starting on a very personal 
level with women and you have chapters about strength and grace. They're all very beautiful. But I just wanted to finish on um, your ninth chapter on connection. You have a really great quote that I loved. Could you read that for us? Yes. This quote's from the phenomenal author Glennon Doyle. We think our job as humans is to avoid pain. Our job as parents is to protect our children from pain. And our job as friends is to fix each other's pain. Maybe that's why we all feel like failures so often, because we all have the wrong job description for love. And I I just like that because it kind of encapsulates in a way what you're talking about in the sense of how we define ourselves as mothers and how we might move past that into kind of a more realistic and um, beautiful space, I guess. Yeah, because if we, such a beautiful quote to pull out, thank you. If we're really coming to this as I need to fix her, I need to protect her, I need to do it all for her, we're again going into this valuing busyness and all of the things outside of ourselves. I like to think that the greatest thing I can do for my children is to heal myself, is to sort my stuff out, is to figure out why I find it so hard to slow down, to figure out why I get so offended if someone says that thing, to figure out why my family pattern seems to be dealing with anger in this way. That really is the greatest role of love and of parenting. And so it just flips that focus, doesn't it? back on to you in not a selfish way, but the biggest act of love for your children. But if we, to circle back to the importance of matrescence, if we don't even acknowledge how she's feeling or give her space to figure out who she is now, she's just going to unconsciously keep doing those same things. She's going to repeat the patterns of the past generations. She's just going to go back to work and burn herself out because that's what everyone's told her she needs to do. We're going to keep seeing this over and over again. And I say this because I've really, really heard so many mamas in this place of being really burnt out and resentful and not being the mothers that they want to be. And they think it's their fault and it's not. It's because the... The system that we are trying to do this in doesn't value anything that we actually need to be doing. Mm, It's such a great book, Amy. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, thank you for coming in. Thank you. That's Amy Taylor-Kabaz. She's a mindfulness teacher and author of Mama Rising. And we'll put links to Amy's book in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We're taking a couple of weeks off over the Christmas break, but we'll be back on January 6th with more great interviews. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. Just shoot us an email. It's feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. I hope you have a lovely couple of weeks with well-behaved good sleepers. See you in 2020.